Hello there, and welcome back to another episode of We Read It One Night, the podcast where we talk about romance novels. If you enjoy this episode, leave us a rating and review on your podcast app, and if you'd like to help us make more, check out our Etsy shop and buy me a coffee patron page in the description. Today we're chatting about Anita Kelly's Love and Other Disasters, a sapphic cooking show soiree of a book. I'm joined by fellow book editor Molly. One of us has actually edited a romance novel, and it's not me. As always, thank you guys so much for all the support you give us, and enjoy the show. listener as you already know rachel is taking a step back for the podcast and so we're having fun extra hosts and some of them are not romance readers at all which i find particularly interesting because they're gonna be silly (laughs) i think (laughs) so today we are joined by my friend molly molly do you want to introduce yourself hey y'all i'm molly Uh, i used to work with allison before she quit her job we'll forgive you someday this is not the first romance book as a reader that I've read all the way through. I did remember the other day, and we could talk about this if we want to, I edited one when I was freelancing years and years oh, ago, which was well, quite can good. Can you say who it was? I can. Ara Gregorian, and it's called Game of Love. It's about a tennis star, female tennis star. And oh, I don't remember who the broody wealthy man is in her life and how he ends up there. But that one was great. Oh, and it's written by a man. Yeah. Listener, we don't, have we ever, I'm trying to think, I don't think, yes, no, we have. We have the Sleep Paralysis Demon book, Sing Me to Sleep, that was right. written by I a man. I recall you talking about it. I did convince him to write the guy putting on a condom during the sex scene because oh, good. then it was like she woke up and for the next few days she felt really off and different and I was really sitting there thinking like, oh, she's pregnant oh, you and know, it's going to ruin no, her career yeah. and it was really distracting and it's not she's not pregnant but so I had him write in like a sexy condom se- situation which I was really proud of we love birth control and romance novels I love that's becoming like so much more particularly in contemporaries like that's like the norm like it's like I feel like especially in recent books now like if you don't have at least at the very first time they have like penetrative sex yeah. if they don't have a conversation about I mean usually if it's like a het romance like the mm-hmm. heroine would just be like I'm on the pill or I have an IUD or sure. like whatever so they don't have to deal with condoms but sometimes they deal with condoms and sometimes like they make opening the condom very sexy but they have <laughs> a birth control conversation and then also an STD conversation Ooh, almost always. nice although the current phrasing of it is them to be like Oh, I'm clean. Don't worry. Which is like, mm, there's some discourse. Not exactly which, the like, same thing. We don't really love that. Like, right. no, we don't really, you don't really love that you're calling it clean. Oh, not even about trust. Okay. No, 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 no. no because it's not like they exchange tests, but it's, it's the use okay. of clean because the implication mm-hmm. is then if you have an STD, you're sure. dirty. Yeah. So it's some authors are going more towards like, yeah, I was tested recently and I'm all clear for like, whatever. That's for, like, the kind was... of very literal language that I would want in that situation, yeah. frankly. Yeah. <laughs> I would want the date. <laughs> but even, I think romance in general has been, I mean, unsurprisingly has been um, at the forefront of like yeah. birth control in Roma. Even just like, it was like, I think in like the nineties, early two thousands was when that mm-hmm. first started really beginning. And it was like, you, there was like the classic, like the crinkle of like foil. And like, that's how you'd be oh, like, okay, okay they're lied. using a condom, you know, yeah. like without explicitly saying now it's like been more mm-hmm. explicit. Now women are peeing after sex and it's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. When I was in summer camp, I was a staff brat, which meant that I went up a little bit early because my dad worked at the camp and we ran mm. wild for a weekend. And we would hang out in one of the cabins, one of the parents' cabins, and the mom had a whole shelf of romance novels. And we would just sit there, like, looking for the sex scenes. You know, I don't even think I was in middle school at that point. But I maintain that, like, they can be very... Where else are you going to get this kind of educational content? No, they're 
They're great, especially like, I mean, they're at the forefront. I, you know, there's the there's the famous phrase in the romance community that like romance is the genre written by women and for women. And there's mm. a lot that's problematic about that because mm-hmm. like, A, there's a lot of men and non-binary people sure. who write romance and read romance and like, but you know, it is like the exterior perception of the genre. But it tells ladies, hello, you deserve a relationship that is based on like respect and honesty, love. And if that's your thing, orgasms. Mm-hmm. You deserve to orgasm. Amen. That's why it's such a threatening genre. <laughs> but also that's not a huge part of the conversation we're seeing in the industry. I think about like the newsletters we get and they talk about book banning and they talk about the kids books that are getting banned. And they talk about the older queer books that are getting banned too, like for older readers. Yeah. But they don't list the romance books in the same category. And I assume, I would I would assume, unfortunately, that's still part of like the stigma. They don't want to lump yeah, the absolutely. genre book in with the more literary fare that's getting banned, which is stupid because there is no more active audience who's right. going to like do the work to push this issue. You want to talk about like politically active readers, like, <laughs> we're doing love and other disasters by anita kelly which is a sapphic modern rom-com actually like it's definitely marketed as a rom-com as basically every single contemporary romance with a cartoon cover is marketed nowadays mm. but i wouldn't say it's funny enough to be a rom it's no bridget jones's diary is what i'll say yeah like there are moments of levity but that's not the same thing this is part of the like reality show romance era. There's like a brief blip. Mm-hmm. Where there is a shit ton of these coming out. We've done another one called The Charm Offensive by Allison Cochran. And we've interviewed Allison as well. You can I'll link those both below. So they're on a cooking show this time, but it's an American cooking show. So it's not like fun, great British bake off wholesomeness. It's like, no, it's like Top Chef, you know, is that what it was? I don't I think watch. so. I was honestly like expecting, I'm guessing one of the judges is called Tanner McTavish. And I was like, is this a Gordon Ramsay? And he's like the mean one. Yeah, I don't know enough about the show. It could be something like that. This one I pictured Top Chef for because I felt like one of the judges could have been almost a Padma Lakshmi stand-in. Yeah, that Um, makes sense. The female judge whose name I can't remember now. I don't know. I kind of, they all kind of like blurred together for me. I don't tend to remember characters' names unless like it's necessary. Like if I can just refer to them as like judge number one, mm-hmm. I don't really need to know. <laughs> and they don't have huge roles. No. They're the window dressing for yeah. the reality show. But I chose this book for the food show because as someone who does not really read romance, but like loves food and cooking. And it's not that I didn't enjoy the rest of it, but I did really like the food bits. So yeah, that was that was really satisfying. Not the food stacks, I'm gonna say. Oh no, I hate oh god, I can't it's the so cooking. Sticky. I love the cooking. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about that when we get to that scene. <laughs> food books are very dangerous for me though, because like mm. inevitably the way the food like there are so many dishes in here where I'm like, I know objectively if I ate this in real life, I would hate it, but just like you're making me want to eat this. Interesting. It's okay. a really big problem for me. The The number one trigger of this in books is when someone's mentioned as eating stew, like a hearty stew. Like the, well, that's a spoiler, but like the soup in this book. Well, we can say it. it's going to be Are we spoiled. jumping ahead? The stew that gets her kicked off the show? I don't know. And I'm like, I don't eat meat. Like I, I, yeah. I wouldn't eat this. But goddamn, that brown sauce and vegetables. God, I want to. (laughs) Okay, so it's London Parker and Dahlia. Shit, what's her last name? The fact that you got Parker. I only remembered Parker because I was like, if I had a nickel for every time a sapphic romance involved a character with the last name Parker (laughs) in like both recently published books. Interesting. Um, No, but Dahlia Woodson. And she is recently divorced. And... She's bisexual. Not that she's ever had a chance to explore it because she's been dating the same guy since like high school. And London is non-binary and has a bunch of sisters and grew up in Nashville Mm -hmm. and is very attached to like remaining in Nashville, living in Tennessee. And I was like, I'm not going to be like, I'm not prejudiced against the South, but just considering the number of laws that have come out recently, Mm -hmm. like since this book was published, particularly affecting trans people in Tennessee mm-hmm. I'm like oh I hope maybe you guys would consider moving to a different yeah state. that's for the fanfic writers to figure out though 
I suspect Anita Kelly came up in fanfic because I read the acknowledgments and they talk about fanfiction a little bit. And I was like, what pairings are we talking about? Because I did not Anita. see anything online. Tell me more. I need a um, And then there's there's even a little bit in the book at one point where Dahlia and London are riffing and they're they're shit talking, I think, sigh. Oh the yeah, they talk about the him. Top Chef show. No, Tanner McTavish. Tanner McTavish. Oh, it's Tanner. What is the yeah. show called? Chef Special. Chef Special. I did write Robert that down because I knew I was gonna forget. <laughs> top let's just call it Top Chef. <laughs> they're riffing and they talk about, in this case, Tanner. And like, what fan fiction does he read? And what does he write? And is it, and they say like, is it Downton Abbey? Is it Supernatural? And I was like, what clues are you giving us here, Anita? Is this where I should go spelunky? Uh, Anita, have you written those <laughs> Downton Abbey? I did think of you when they were saying Supernatural fanfic. I was like, Molly? Yeah. Hope Molly noted this. Yeah. Oh, I did. They also speculate that Tanner Retavage has a bunch of cats. And I was like... I didn't get that vibe either. But oh, there's the cat scale. Okay. There's the cat. I do. I have been very attuned to picking out subtle cat references (laughs) since beginning this podcast i would say this is a very i feel like light romance i don't think it gets like and i don't say this is a criticism we've talked about this before i think there is a book an heiress's guide to deception and desire i'll link the love episode in the description listener but that was also a book where it's just like you're just like i'm just kind of skating along but sometimes that's what you want it's definitely light particularly in the first 20 pages in i was kind of just sitting there going oh here's a trope here's a trope here's a trope oh london's gonna Mm -hmm. be the dark and broody and mysterious okay here we go (laughs) but as i have noticed happens to be a theme on your podcast (laughs) i did want to note london is the dark moody monosyllabic trope the edward to the awkward bubbly clumsy rambly Mm -hmm. dahlia who is bella and I, I'm well, sorry, I, I hate I the clumsy trope so much. She trips. I don't think Dolly, I know she tripped, but I don't. I wouldn't call Bella bubbly. <laughs> no, that's Bella true. She's not really cool. bubbly. This is, I think, very much, at least in the beginning, grumpy sunshine. And yes, even it's more, and it's like so. stoic, energetic. Oh my God, I can't believe I have to have feelings. Which, on the other hand, is reasonable. Because we learn later that London has not dated anyone since they came out as non-binary they like have not felt comfortable enough in themselves and they have like a shitty dad like a shitty very transphobic homophobic many phobic bad dad which is honestly why i think dahlia is a really good matchup for them Mm. um because dot one of dahlia's core personality traits for me is that she is ready to fight anyone who is even mildly mean to london at yes. all times like sh- r- immediately ready to throw hands like yeah. at any moment of the day even when like london isn't around which we should say london thinks is like great ally energy because london doesn't realize that dahlia is queer because it just like doesn't come up at first yeah and so there is a homophobic transphobic contestant named lizzie and london like comes out to everybody at this pre-show dinner except for Dahlia because Dahlia misses the dinner Dahlia claims cramps and I frankly really hard I personally would have claimed migraine but same thing like you know I just would have been like oh I can't afford the plane that would need me there in time so I'm just gonna have to take it there they pay for you to fly oh it's a tv show you're not paying to fly there yeah all right (laughs) I'll get lost. But so London is grumpy because then they have to come out again the day the competition starts because Dahlia doesn't know. And London had wanted, this was like the first time they were coming out to everyone in a large group. They were going to be very intentional about being on the show as a non-binary contestant. And Lizzie does not react well. Lizzie misgenders London all over the place. And Dahlia is immediately ready to throw hands. So yeah, they get on the show. They had like a meet cute before this. Where, like, Dahlia ran into London. I only bring this up because London is, London has red hair. As we, um, Molly, wax poetic. (laughs) (laughs) Molly sent me a very aggressive video um, in a previous episode (laughs) when I was trying to figure out what that phrase was. Um, So I just needed to bring that to show that I learned. I really didn't mean Um, to be that aggressive. but. (laughs) But, yeah, London is compared to having, like, Anna Green Gables hair. And I was like, listen... If you want me to like a character, 
right off the bat, all you got to do is compare and fan of Green Gables. Like I would mm-hmm. be there, like, I got it. Mm-hmm. And then if you want me to not be able to relate to care to a character right off the bat, you all you got to do is say that they enjoy chopping onions, which is what Dahlia likes. Oh to come do. on! I no, I mean I didn't. You know, that wasn't like garlic, isn't it? It's not onions. No, it's onions. It's she. I wrote down a quote about there garlic. are no, there are multiple. It begins and ends with her thinking about how much she enjoys chopping onions. The book, the book is bookended with onion. Okay, thoughts. yeah, no, and I just fair. like I love an onion. Can't relate to liking how to like. Why do you like no. to chop them? I don't understand. Do you have like some sort of gene mutation where you don't right. cry? If you have I don't get it. In. It won't impact you, but they never say Dahlia's visually impaired. So that's not a thing here. It's just Dahlia's free ball. I know there's like a way, like if you know how to cut, there's really a way to cut them that it's like not as. No. I mean, if you put it in the fridge and it's a few days old, it's not as No, there's like a way, like a direction, like, like a specific, a way to hold, like cut with a knife. That's what I'm saying. Not like one of those tricks where like, if you put it in, like, I don't believe it. I liked Dahlia, but I was like, you're on thin (laughs) ice. You're on Mm -hmm. thin ice, girly. I can't relate. I would like you to chop me onions. That was the thing. I got a bagel this morning and I really, so, so the bagel order is cream cheese, red onions, and tomatoes. Nice. Okay. That I really enjoy. I could technically just buy the ingredients for this bagel and have it every day and not have to like spend almost $5 on it. There's no joy in that. But that's the thing. It's just not the same when it's not a special treat. But also to bring it back, the reason I bring this up was because of the red onions, because it would involve me cutting red onions. And I'm just like, that's, there's already like the nurture required to build Mm -hmm. up to make this bagel for myself is already Mm -hmm. very large, but like to have to cut the red onions, I'm not a fan. So Mm -hmm. that's a very personal anecdote about my Thank hatred you so much of, for onion, sharing it with of, all of, of cutting onions. You're welcome, listener. Dahlia likes cutting onions. And London, um, it becomes apparent, is like very, very good in the kitchen. Yeah, well, they both are. Dahlia doesn't feel as confident, though, because she yeah. is self-taught. Yeah. Whereas London, like, maybe has traveled places, maybe has had London cooking classes. learned from their nanny. Like, that's how they said they first right. learned. London is and I, super So they've been doing it since they were a kid. Like, they, this has been, like, 20-plus years, whereas Dahlia, like, just started. So Dahlia makes food that we'd all recognize, whereas London will, like, make fancy French desserts without breaking yeah. a sweat. Yeah. But that was kind of another reason why I almost wanted Dahlia to win, because it was like, okay, this is, like, natural talent and, like, passion. That is like causing her to win, right? Yeah, but not that London isn't. Like, it's not like I wanted London to lose. No, but the way that the show was engineered, the producer is, I would say, not evil. She is fine. She is very much, you know, tied to this show. The ratings have not been great. And Janet sees an opportunity in the tension between London. And Lizzie to make mm-hmm. some great TV. So, like, Dahlia never had a prayer. Dahlia stays as long as she did because she's talented, but also because the budding tension mm-hmm. and will they, won't they becomes evident to everybody because mm-hmm. Dahlia's never like subtle at all, like, just not capable of it. London's no. like trying to keep their cool, staring at Dahlia's hair because they're all at stations, right? And Dahlia right. stations in front of London, staring at Dahlia's butt, trying to keep it chill. And Dahlia like has to turn around and look at London and like over their shoulder. <laughs> and Janet at one point is like, somebody's always fucking on this show every year. And Dahlia's like, oh my God, <laughs> who are the other people who fucked? I need to go on the internet. Incredible. <laughs> so they start doing all these challenges. Dahlia makes the fish tacos the first time. That's what she trips. And it's specifically described as as rice going everywhere have you ever encountered rice and fish tacos like is this just I mean listen I recognize that I I grew up in the northeast and like I don't know what Mexican food is but I feel like even the times that I've had Mexican food in like California or Texas like fish I listen I I looked it up I looked up fish tacos rice and there are recipes but if you just look up fish taco recipe without the rice none of the recipes that pop up have rice in them however mm-hmm. all of those recipes are on like the big like recipe websites which i'm sure are written mm-hmm. mostly by white people so it's like yeah. 
I don't know. I just thought it was weird. I was not expecting the fish tacos. It really took me out of the moment. I was really feeling the fish tacos. I was like, I want to eat the fish tacos. Fish tacos are delicious. Delicious. But they are not, they are not chef special material. They're not cooking show material. I was surprised that's like that Dahlia didn't get kicked off right then because that's so, I don't know, that, that doesn't feel like. Yeah, but at the beginning when you're just supposed to show like, it's like your signature on the Great British Baking Show. I don't know. I was I was very for like because Dahlia was like I don't usually cook with meat. That's true, and that because that's the thing. That's like the dishes that are considered like fancy enough for these kind that of shows are always like meat. Yeah, and like Dahlia knows how to make fish, and like that's it basically. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting commentary, and I guess that was another reason why I was like I want Dahlia to win as a vegetarian. <laughs> Dahlia and her flower print dresses. She's basically always in flower print. Poor polka dots or stripes. She's a print girl. So after that, the first day, London's dressed because they have to tell Dahlia. And they're drinking bourbon. That's a good quote. Where is that quote? Keep going. They're drinking bourbon and they specifically, they drink bourbon and whiskey like multiple times throughout the book. Like that's their preferred drink. Um, And the thing is, is that for me... And I don't know whether I'm just being like too sensitive or like whatever, but like anytime a character has a scene in a book or a movie more than once where they like think about how like, oh, they're like, oh, I I need a drink or Mm. like I'm drinking this and like, oh, finally I feel but it's like going down my throat and like I feel so much Mm -hmm. better and it happens more than once. Yeah. I'm always like, do we sense a little alcoholism? I'm like, I'm a single one worrying that you mm-hmm. only feel normal mm-hmm. when you drink alcohol. <laughs> coping mechanism. And like, yeah. I don't think that's the purpose. That's the intention of like any of the authors. But like, there's been multiple no. books. Interestingly, I think the last one that we did on the podcast was Payback's a Witch, which was another sapphic book in which um, the main character is constantly like, I need a drink. <laughs> Yikes. And I'm like, take a step back. I think part of that is that alcohol is so prevalent in our culture. Right. And people just turn to it. But if you're putting it in your book and not thinking about that, you know, it's like putting a sex scene in and not writing the condom. You know, it, it's like, is that supposed to be there? Are we supposed to worry about this or not? But London is very attracted to Dahlia and says her eyes looked genuine. There was a shade of brown. They were a shade of brown that was right smack in between the darkness of her hair and the tan of her skin, making her face in general a perfect palette. Just a pure bourbon observation. Lennon's like, oh shit, I'm attracted, but it's it's just the drink. It's just the it's drink. Just the drink. <laughs> I'm not actually into it. Well, it's funny because also because like the color palette they're describing is the color palette of bourbon as well. Mm. I do like that's a common romance description is either like whiskey eyes or bourbon eyes, like mm. for like the color. And as someone who had too much bourbon at the company holiday party. Last year. <laughs> I don't really touch you, it right now. Molly had too much bourbon. I think I I think I did talk about this in the podcast. Maybe I edited it out, but what? how like I no, not about how you had too much bourbon, but how I had too much of the fuck, what was it? Margarita, margarita mix. Margarita. Which you should never touch a pre And I and I had a bad time of it <laughs> next mm-hmm. day. We had really bad times, but like and here we go talking about the prevalence of alcohol in our culture. Our company holiday parties are like, if you don't have a bad time the next day, like they're kind of known for that, unfortunately. We're also a team that really likes margaritas and like they're, they were made in a pitcher. By our boss's daughter. Who is a heavy pour. You just don't touch something and way cooler than all of us. That's pre-made. Like you don't, which is why I went for the bourbon. I was like, I know what this is. There is nothing else in it. I don't need to worry about how much of it. Except I clearly did need to worry about how much of it. <laughs> but we learn. We learn. We are in our summer cider season. They should have had cider in they this like, They didn't have cider. Like Dahlia should have they been only a had cider beer person. and IPAs. And I was upset because oh, I'm a cider gross. girly. I'm a cider girly. I was like, you can't have just one? One cider? What if I was gluten-free? Oh, I had a really bad poop episode yesterday. <laughs> I was like walking so on my boring. treadmill. Because you know when you walk, you walk like... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hoop will come. Yeah, and I went. I was like, I was like sweating. <laughs> like <laughs> no, it was those are really bad one. And my brother knocked on the door, and he was like, "Are you going to be done?" And I was like, "You know, I don't know." <laughs> yeah, I can't tell. It could be an hour. It could be five minutes. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I'm like, I've already like fully stripped on the toilet because I'm like sweating so much. I was like, don't open the door. <laughs> I'm going to die here. It's like Elvis. <laughs> Not Sophia that. Coppola is making a Priscilla Presley movie. And, you know, I've been seeing people talk about how like, they're like, oh, I don't know, you know, because it's based on Priscilla's memoir and like Priscilla mm-hmm. still loves Elvis and like, mm-hmm. you know, is it necessarily as critical as maybe she should be? Like someone was like, oh, you know, I wonder whether like, are they going to address like the age gap, the fact that Elvis was like 20s slash like 14. And I saw an article that was like Priscilla Presley, like says she really likes the movie. It was like her like praising it. And then it was like Elvis estate like slams the movies like this is horrible. And I was like, okay, so that answers the question. Yeah. Anyway, we are way off way off base okay so they do these challenges they do the first challenge dahlia trips falls tacos everywhere they let her remake it they let her replay it because they tried it throughout yeah because that's because i I was wondering i'm glad that anita mentioned that because i was like i know it's a thing a lot of times you either have to make like two dishes and like Mm -hmm. one of them is used for filming and like one of Mm -hmm. them is used for tasting but yeah, I was like, especially on this kind of show, like you need to eat it hot. Like it's not going to be fair if like there's 15 yeah. contestants and like the first one gets a hot plate and this last right. one is cold. They have a secret ingredient challenge um, where the secret ingredient is spam. Oh, yeah. And I bring this up just uh, because I will never forget the sheer horror in my heart when I met one of my freshman year roommates who is from Hawaii When she conveyed to me how much of a thing spam is in Hawaii, like how the legacy of that is, how I understand, I understand like the colonialist legacy, but I'm just saying, like when she was like, "I love spam," I was like, "Ma'am, I don't know if I can." Like maybe I need to move out. Anyway, one time she made a spam sushi, and it was actually fine, but I was still I was horrified with myself the whole time that I I ate it. Dahlia also has a thought where she's like, I don't know, like, because everyone is talking about, so like, I guess we should say like what they want to do. So like the prize money is like $100,000. And Lizzie, the evil person wants to open a bakery, which I was like, why are you on a cooking show if you want to open a bakery? Like, what is this? This is the wrong show for you, Lizzie. She should be on Great British Bake Off, which by the way, is a show I cannot get through. Honestly, like, it doesn't surprise me that like the completely not cutthroat show is one that you can (laughs) So boring. Everyone's so nice. There's no stakes. The point is that it's so nice, but I can completely understand why that would not fit with your personality. In a lot of ways, not the like scrambled, like clumsy part, but in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. I was like, Dahlia reminds me of Molly. And mostly in the I will fight anyone who is mean to people like her. That's so nice. Thank you so, the so much. The ready to throw hands at all times. <laughs> I was like, this is Molly. <laughs> I will say um, today, and this is relevant, I promise. So we do morning prompts and everyone answers, if they want to, the question that has been asked and it like gets the conversation going for the day because we're a combined in-person remote team. Mm-hmm. And today's question, because this person had never done the questions before, they had managed to escape it for three years. The question today was like to add up your birthday, the digits, and then... It corresponded to a tarot card numbered oh. in order. And that was your soul card. Oh. And don't ask me what the soul card is because I don't fucking know. But I added up my birthday and <laughs> I got the hanged man. And yeah. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? Um, and then you go look at what it is. And it's um, someone who, who like their core values are sacrifice and patience. And... <laughs> <laughs> they do best when their morals are aligned with what they're doing. So that part mm-hmm. at least was true. But like the sacrifice of patience friend is like, did I do the math wrong? I don't know what's going on here. Everyone else got like justice and strength and shit that made sense. And our colleague goes, well, you know, if it doesn't feel quite right, sometimes it's like the inverse. It's what you need to work on the most. And I was like, I know we read tarot cards, but that is a whole nother type of read. And you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> The one time I've had someone do tarot cards for me, I was like, oh, I don't relate to that. They were like, oh, so it's the thing you need to work on. I was like, well, that's not convenient. Mean. We were on like a beach. I was like, I'm trying to relax here mm-hmm. and I'm feeling attacked. The last time I did it was in elementary school. And I it was when I became aware it was fake because it was at a 
carnival for elementary school mm. and I like ducked into the tent and it was very clearly apparent. And I was like, oh, the magic is gone. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, so yes, I, I can see the, the throwing hands similarity to Dahlia for sure. <laughs> yes. And, and the eventually revealed reason that she and her ex get divorced, she doesn't want kids. Or she doesn't know if she wants kids, but she certainly doesn't want them now. And so a large part of Dahlia's character is like, she went along with what she thought she was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. She was a huge people pleaser. She dated this guy through high school, through college. They went to GW you together. You a shit ton of debt. I was ready to fight yes. David for that. And this is how we get back to what you were saying before. She's now in so much debt from school because she wanted to go to a different college that was going to be affordable. She would have figured her shit out, what she was going to be. And he was like, now nah, we have to stay together. So she ended up with like a communications degree from GW, which she doesn't even know how to use. Yeah. And I don't mean like in a stupid way. I mean, she does not know how it applies to her life, but it's the degree yeah. she's ended up with. And then he proposed over Christmas like an asshole in front of all their family. In so sophomore year of college. In sophomore year. They're not even out of college. So like, how do you... That's immensely shitty, in my opinion. Like, I'm sure he did not mean it to be immensely shitty, but it is immensely shitty to do it in front of all these people that you can't say no. Like, we get so many, so much reassurance. So, like, oh, David's such a decent guy. She feels really guilty for divorcing him. And, like, I understand to an extent how she's feeling because she's like, you know, I thought I wanted kids my whole life. And, like, oh, now I've suddenly changed my mind, like, quote unquote, changed right. my mind. And he had a But I'm also out. like, I'm like, yeah, I don't think David's like a bad person, but I also think that he's like a completely self absorbed man. Like, he's a typical cis straight man, mm-hmm. you know, where he just doesn't yeah. even exactly. have. He doesn't even know what he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Like, he just, he, and he has never bothered to like wonder. He's right. never bothered to like question the established worldview. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know whether I can get behind how much you're talking this man up. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I kind of don't like him a lot more mm-hmm. than you don't. <laughs> I know yeah. he's your ex, but. And that's also self-awareness. I would have hoped she would have gained by the end of the book, but didn't really happen. Her growth is more just like letting it go. Yeah. Right, you know what fair. I mean? Like I think and I think that was what was more important for her is like her just like letting go of that guilt and being like mm-hmm. that was that's something in my past and now I'm like moving on. Do we really get that she figured out what she wants? I mean we see it but we don't see it happen and that frustrated me. She decides at the end of the book she doesn't love Marilyn. That's where she and David had been living. She got herself her own apartment there and the only thing she really likes about that old apartment is this rug with a high Pill, pill or something it's a fluffy um, rug it's a very fluffy a very rug. fluffy rug which i love that's cute yeah it's adorable i respect it i myself love fluffy rugs <laughs> totally get it and then we time jump and all of a sudden there she is in bed with london the end of the book and i'm like where i would have loved to see all of the growth well we do get that she she's like writing she's like freelancing and then yes. she's also like working at vanderbilt i think to like actually pay the bills I mean, maybe it is also because I'm more of a romance reader, but I think for me, like, I didn't need to see her figure all that shit out because okay. for me, the the arc that I needed to see in her character was she begins the book stuck in a rut. Like, she's okay. she's paralyzed and mm-hmm. she is not mo- she's not even making moves to move forward. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. by the end of the book, she is a like let go of her pride she's like i'm moving back home i'm not gonna mm-hmm. be ashamed of that like i'm starting over i'm doing what i need to do Very millennial and moves. i'm now i've finally like allowed myself to start moving forward and like actually explore what i want you know what i mean like that was mm-hmm. that was the growth for me i didn't okay. like and i was able to believe okay now that she has started this journey like i i believe that she will get to the end of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i did relate very hard to when she was thinking about um she was like, I don't know if I want to make cooking a career because like, then I may like not like it anymore. And I was like, oh, hard to late <laughs> yeah. monetizing your hobbies. <laughs> get that. Totally get that. <laughs> Ooh, get that a lot. Oh, I had a question. So obviously you read the audiobook, listened mm-hmm. to the audiobook. Mm-hmm. So I want to know how that was. And also like when you listen to the audiobooks, are you seeing the scenes in full? Like, how does that work for you? Because like, for me, I particularly thought of this during the, it's one of the second, maybe the second challenge. They have to um, basically cater a bar mitzvah mm. and they talk about, you know, this room that they're all in. 
it was a very visceral seat for me in that I pictured them in the ballroom of my synagogue. And like, I knew exactly oh. where I would set them up and how I would set them up and what the screens would be to block them off from everybody else. And like, it was, it was very, it was like a little too much detail. I was just, <laughs> my brain was like, oh, it's a Jewish event, ready to go. I filled this in. <laughs> so I want to know, like, what do you picture? And then also what does the audiobook do in that case? And also how are the actors in this one? Well, it was just the one audiobook narrator. Okay. And she was good, um, except for the fact that she pronounced the word one, like Juan. Um, she said Juan oh. and I hated it. I hated it. That's not, she's not the only audiobook narrator that I've ever encountered that has done that. There are sometimes audiobook narrators just have stupid pronunciations. For example, in the book Red, White, and Royal Blue, the audiobook yeah. narrator pronounced David Bowie, David Bowie. And no. at first it's the because- The should catch that. It's because one of the characters had, has a dog named uh-huh. David Bowie. And so I was uh-huh. like, oh, it's David Bowie, like bow, wow, wow. No, no, because at one point he says David Bowie in a not dog context and I was ready to gaslight myself. I was like, you know, I'm American. Maybe we just pronounced David Bowie's name wrong. No, I looked up. I looked Mm -hmm. up an interview where Mm -hmm. David Bowie was explaining how to pronounce his name and he named his daughter Zoe. So it's Zoe Bowie. So like, you know, it's it's not Zowie. Zowie. (laughs) But in terms of picture, I mean, it doesn't really affect like audiobook versus reading with my eyeballs. Like I have a, I get a very like rough sketch of things and it's like it's something where it's like oh I've been somewhere like that and I'll just like imagine that okay. but like even just like characters like mm-hmm. you tell me their hair color and their eye color and then it's just like skin colored blob with yeah like two orb blobs uh-huh. of eye and blob on top of co- okay. like I don't yeah <laughs> I don't picture oh you know who we haven't talked about is so obviously there are other contestants on the show oh, yeah. the only two who are really relevant are Barbara, this is grandmother-like figure who befriends Dahlia, also becomes the catalyst for London realizing they have feelings, which we love. I think Barbara did it for both of them too. Like for Dahlia and London, she's like, we don't have time to fuck around here. And then there's Kathy, who is described as like the other queer person on the show. She's like visibly queer and like gives a head nod of recognition when London outs themselves at the dinner or whatever. I felt they were, Kathy was criminally underused. I think Barbara gets some good airtime, but Kathy, like, man, I wanted more. Yeah. And what I like when characters have friends. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's nice. I like that. (laughs) Or if they don't have friends, I want them to have a specific reason why they don't have friends. Mm -hmm. Which Dahlia does. Her life yes, has been because all of her bitch ass friends so chose David. Like, fuck her friends. I'm gonna mm-hmm. fight them too. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna fight David and I'm gonna fight them. Get in line, <laughs> assholes. <laughs> just go down the row. <laughs> yeah, listen, just one slap after the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I did like Spanking. also about this book was the fact that, hmm, hmm, no, that's <laughs> too good for them. Was the fact that, uh, you know, like, I feel like dancing. I don't even think you need to be a romance reader to know this, but like dancing is like such like a, it's like the number one metaphor for like compatibility. Sure. Like I think like cooking, I think is o- is only second to dancing in terms of like cooking is just dancing with food. Like, mm-hmm. and the Ooh. fact that they're so, there's so many scenes where they're like in sync together mm-hmm. cooking and they're like they start working each on each other's advice. dishes. Yeah. Like Dolly is constantly spoon feeding London shit and the viewers at home are eating it up. Like... <laughs> And it's definitely true because Dahlia talks about, and I think you said this too, it's a way for her to regain control after her relationship. She talks about it with London and talks about how there were moments post-divorce where like she couldn't even get off the couch and they're, they're talking about comfort foods. And I I recently fucked this up at a picnic. So it really resonated with me. Um, <laughs> the picnic prompt was like, bring a childhood comfort food. And so I brought this recipe that I love, which is chickpeas and chorizo and garlic I made a whole thing because I thought it was like a potluck. And she meant like Rice Krispie treats. Mm. So I showed yeah, up with like this Dahlia's container. Yeah, Rice Krispie treats in London. This is mm-hmm. broccoli. <laughs> or Brussels sprouts. Yeah, so that was humiliating, which is a great reason <laughs> <laughs> to really check the instructions on an invite when you get one. Yes, her comfort food is Rice Krispie treats. London's is Brussels sprouts, which is like... Roasted Brussels sprouts. As someone who loves Brussels sprouts, that's still gross. We've talked about this on the podcast, how Brussels sprouts get such an unfair 
presentation because we grew up boiling them and boiled Brussels sprouts. Your family boiled. My dad did, but no, I don't think you understand how common, particularly among like white America, but I think just Americans in general, how boiling vegetables is so many people's like go-to cooking method and how that is literally the least tasty way Mm -hmm. to cook anything but like corn steamed corn like i'll steam a corn on the cob yeah no we grew up with boiled vegetables and they it smells like ass it tastes like ass they're horrible i hate them and then someone introduced me to roasted vegetables and i was like these are fucking delicious Mm -hmm. even my grandma was like oh i've never really liked brussels sprouts before so that's london's but i agree with dahlia who is like that's not actually a comfort food because it requires too much effort and like if you can't get off the couch you can't make brussels sprouts and i think she's very it's not right a about depression that. food i mean london in general with the exception of their body dysmorphia and like gender mm-hmm. dysmorphia which is obviously not a trivial thing no. but london's life in general has like london really hasn't experienced any hardship no. like the first real hardship they experienced was their dad being an absolute dick about like right. their transition yeah basically listener it's, it's a cooking show they cook and then they have fun right. weekends where they go on little dates like by themselves. At one point they milk cows and like Dolly is oh, very excited that. about the milking cows and London is very hating about the milking cows. And I'm going to be honest, like, I don't know which one I would be. No, cows fucking suck. Have you ever been near a cow? I feel like we've had this conversation, but I can't I've remember. been near a cow. I've never milked They're drones. They have bugs all over their faces all the time. So and horses. Di- no, that's not true. <laughs> you like don't talk about horses like that. Certified horse girl won't hear slander. Oh no. <laughs> but I was just thinking, I was like, I don't know whether I'd be like ideally, like conceptually, milking the cow sounds exciting, but like no. in real life, like I think that maybe I would be like, well, I couldn't decide. I was like, who would I be? <laughs> stepped on, foot broken, tragedy, written off the show immediately. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they have the moment where they steal alcohol, they gate crash a wedding, and then they like they steal. That alcohol. was very cute. That was too much alcohol, but it was very cute. It was too much alcohol. Like Dahlia steals a bottle for each of them, and I was like, Yeah, Dahlia takes a bottle of white, and like London's like white wine is like horrible, and I was just like, I need people to start acknowledging that in blind taste tests, there's no difference. But like, you can't actually taste the difference in wine. Red, white, like it doesn't matter. Like it maybe if it's like an extra sweet versus an extra dry, you can be like, this one's super sweet and this one's super dry. But otherwise, blind taste test, like 99, even with like sommeliers, like people who are supposed to really be able to know. I'm a rosé bitch, so I am uncultured swine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyway, this was a very cute scene. And this is where they bring about Tanner McTavish having cats. So this this is the point in my notes in which I wrote this down, Mm -hmm. bringing this up. Like, this is a cute scene. And I know that they don't actually fuck after this. Like, London just, well, but that's the thing. It's like, I know they don't fuck, but London throughout this entire scene is constantly having thoughts of like, are we going to fuck? Are we, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And it's never like, oh, I want to fuck, but like, she's too drunk. And so I'm not going to do it. And that made me really uncomfy and kind of like put a little state on the scene. The fact that like, I just feel like I was like, London, like I, like I understand that you're horny and like, I can accept that like you want to fuck, but I feel like you're not really, there's never a time when they are like, but I know I can't until the moment Dahlia shuts the hotel room door in their Mm. face. Yeah. They are still- are like, if is this gonna happen? Yeah. And I was I like, I don't, I don't want right. it to happen. Yeah. I don't want it to happen, London. She, she's mm-hmm. drank a whole bottle of wine. I know yeah. what that's like. Did that at a Seder one time. <laughs> and I had a bad day afterward. The four cups of wine at a Seder are a suggestion. You just do sips. That was communicated, except that the, the person that was hosting it in her college dorm was like, we're mm-hmm. all going to do a glass each time. Wow. They like suck. each of you are bringing your own bottle. Honestly, I think the first time my brother hosted a Seder, he did the same thing. But that's because he discovered Manischewitz and he didn't know that sugary wine gets you mm. more fucked up. And he was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever had in my life. And then it was no longer the greatest thing he ever had in his life. Dahlia the next day has to have Barbara being like, girl, my dad yeah. wants to fuck you. Like, it's really obvious I to everyone here. <laughs> oh, this is also when we get introduced about London's dad and, like, him not accepting their identity. And I just would mm. like to say that, like, if my husband, like, this has been going on for three years, right? And I, like, if my husband were doing that to one of my, like, mm. it would be divorce. 
instant. And that comes up later. London has a conversation with their mom and is like, oh my God, because London's mom is just over it. It's been three years and they go to a restaurant and London's dad acts a fool. He gets drunk and is like just an absolute asshole. And he wouldn't even, I mean, he would have done it sober too. We get the impression. Yes. And then London and their mom have a whole conversation and London gets like this horrible sinking realization. It's like, oh my God, are you divorcing dad? Is this because of me? And London's mom's like, don't even worry about it. If we're getting divorced, it's going to be utterly my decision. It has nothing to do, mm-hmm. except it has everything to do, but nothing to do with you kind of thing. Like you did not break up our marriage. It's like he's shown his true colors. That's like a theme. Everyone's divorced. about, the, But specifically about like whose decision it is to divorce. Because mm-hmm. Dahlia makes the decision to divorce David. And then later, so Dahlia has like a fraught relationship with her mom or whatever. Right. Which Dahlia thinks is triggered by the divorce and disappointing yeah. her mother's expectations. Yes. Because her mom, listen, and her mom at the at the end, they had this whole heart to heart. Her mom's like, I'm going to therapy. And I was like, we love healing generational trauma. There were some like, we very love healing it. conversations this author wrote yes. in the book. But the mom is like, Dahlia has this realization where she's like, oh, the divorce wasn't my mom's choice. Like my mom would not have gotten divorced if it were yeah, just up that to her. Was interesting. And so that's like a common theme of like who makes the decision. And like, what's the fallout of that? Mm-hmm. I feel like it is possible that Anita wrote some of these conversations to sort of, for readers, if they don't have these relationships with their parents, mm-hmm. to find them here. Like they felt right in the book, but they also felt deliberate. I listened to an interview that Anita did. Oh, you really did your research. <laughs> in that you said, can we start recording half an hour late? And I was like, great. Yes. Let me Google all the stuff that I meant to. <laughs> great opportunity but Anita talks about like they are non-binary but they are femme presenting and so they had concerns writing London because while they understand some of the non-binary experience London Anita defines as trans mask presenting and so yeah they're on testosterone right so not even presenting just trans mask and so Anita was a little concerned and talked about how, like, in the pitching process, one of the editors actually passed on the book because it wasn't one of the hashtag-owned voices. Like, that was not how they were positioning mm. it. And this editor said, you know, we've never published a non-binary writer writing non-binary characters yet. And we want to make sure that it, like, matches up as the first book mm-hmm. that we're doing. We want to do it right, so to speak, which Anita didn't love. And that feels kind of, like, I understand they were being overly careful to the point of, like, closing an opportunity. And Anita talks about... One of their mentors is non-binary, read this, gave really helpful notes. And then when they were working with their editor at Forever, uh, who we should, we should flag. Who is it? It's Junessa Valoria. But Forever also hired a sensitivity reader. Um, And, you know, Anita talked about, like, they find it really important to portray queer love in all its infinite possibilities. Mm -hmm. And that this own voices conversation, and it can get a little constricting in some ways but they wanted to make sure that they were presenting the book in a way that felt authentic i have seen discussions about like about the kind of issues with like Mm -hmm. voices and like marginalized voice about how like there is this expectation of like all like non-marginalized or like hegemonic identity people Mm. are like that in different ways whereas all marginalized people are marginalized in the same way and like if you like how like people will be like you know, like an author of color will, will write a story. And then like a lot of times people are like, this doesn't like this wasn't good representation or whatever, because it mm-hmm. didn't fit to like an archetype of like, mm-hmm. yeah. So they go to the beach and this is when they start kissing and the kids mm-hmm. are drunk by Dahlia's hair. And then London is being a coward and thinking, overthinking things. And is like, we're at a show and we can't do this. And then Dahlia skinny dips. And I was like, I love that Dahlia, um, it seems to be a pattern that her response to London, like being overly logical and like freaking out is to just take her shirt off. And like <laughs> and it, it works. works every time. It works every time. <laughs> the first time they have sex, London's like, oh, I don't know whether we should do this. And Dahlia just, whoop. She's whoop. like, here are my titties. Let's go. <laughs> and London's like, Apparently you know, good ones. Good. You know what? That argument makes sense that you, yeah. you're starting mm-hmm. to talk a lot I'm of convinced. sense there. Yeah. <laughs> You got me. <laughs> and then she comes back out of the water. Well, she, okay, so she doesn't actually skinny dip. She's in well, her Yeah, underwear. she goes in her underwear, yeah. Her matching set, which I was like, can't relate. I was like, no. I can't relate. Also, like, 
you wore these to go to the beach with London? Dahlia. Okay. Just like wearing a bathing suit. Jesus. As someone who has swum in the ocean in Mm -hmm. my underwear and had fun times, there's an appeal. That's all I'll have to say. Sure. (laughs) Move on. (laughs) But so she comes out and she she now has the wet bra and the wet underwear and makes the very reasonable point well she's funny she goes okay now actually close your eyes Lena's like what the fuck and Dahlia's like I'm going to change I can't wear this wet stuff in the car the whole way back I'll chafe yeah and it's like ah okay fair point so then London closes her eyes and a minute later they felt something cold and wet slap their hand they almost screamed it's so relatable I was like is this a fish is this Dahlia's wet hair no listeners London closed their fingers around the soaked underwire of Dahlia's discarded bra. And then she opens her eyes and she's like, I can see her nips and her areolas through her t-shirt. And I... Yeah, the choice of being like the areola specifically. Honestly, I was like, I'm a fan. Because listen, because if it's just like, oh, I can see her nips. Because then that could just be like... It implies she's a little cold. Her nips are a little Mm -hmm. hard. But But like you can see the areolas and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) You can see it's a t-shirt. white t-shirt, listeners. I let's say that's another white t-shirt, wet white t-shirt. Mm-hmm. My first introduction to that trope was um, a fan fiction where the characters are um, having sex in some like underground tunnel. I don't know, it's a secret hideout. He <laughs> takes out his wand and like mm-hmm. sprays her like white button so that it's like see through. That's educational. <laughs> But so then, obviously, London's freaking the fuck out. Adalia has also taken off her underwear, Mm. which I don't think she makes London hold. But she was doing a weird little dance, squatting up and down. Huh, she said. Unsurprisingly, this might chafe too, but it's not too bad. Dahlia, London said, pained. Can you stop moving around, please? Their brain had been short-circuiting for long minutes now. But watching Dahlia squat around the beach, testing out how her jean shorts felt against her labia, all while they still held her wet bra, was going to actually terminate the functionality of London's <laughs> existence. And, you know, I I fucking loved that. I was like, where else are we going to get the reality? This is so true. <laughs> I feel represented, TM. <laughs> I have a friend who used to go commander when she ran out of underwear in college. And oh, I was like, I how can. the fuck? Like, I could see I, that in, like... In jeans! In bike mm-hmm. shorts. In or, like... The, the like running shorts that have the built-in underwear. Yeah, but no, this was just, she was like, yeah, it's day three. I really need to do laundry. And I was like, please. That's too much. That's, that's a burn. Much. I can't even. Anyway, they eventually get over each other and they eventually make, just have sex and they fuck. And Dahlia takes her shirt off as the classic lesbian seduction technique. Mm-hmm. Just taking, was showing your titties and there we go. That's all you really need to do. I mean, understandable. And they fuck. uh, Sometime later, they fuck again and they do food play and it's horrible. (laughs) I'm sure it's not horrible for some people, but for me, for me, for me, it's horrible. I do appreciate that there is at one point at the end when I think like Dahlia is giving London a back massage and like is using fruit juice, but I chose to ignore that. I was just like, I could be just sticky to like a sexy sapphic woman giving me a back massage as yeah, for like that. something that's meant for me. But then they go to sleep. They fall asleep mm-hmm. and they don't take a shower until they wake up. They fall asleep in the sticky. And you know what? They had a bed, another bed. They could have just taken a shower and gone to the other person's room. Yeah, and then this is when Janet, sleazy producer, is a sleazy producer. Dahlia gets an advantage in one of the challenges. And, like, mm-hmm. her and the other three people that got an advantage have to, like, choose which of, like, the people who didn't get an advantage gets to be safe or, like, which one – and then which one gets a disadvantage. And, like, mm-hmm. Lizzie's, like, I guess homophobic crony slash, like, henchman mm-hmm. is, like, arguing for Lizzie to, like, be safe and then London mm-hmm. to get the disadvantage. And then, like, it ends up being that, like, Lizzie's safe but, like – the other Ahmed, poor Ahmed, gets the disadvantage and, you know, gets eliminated. And London gets really upset. But they work it out. And then they watch Mamma Mia too, Which I've never seen. Oh, you should. I don't know. I Why? misread the trailer. And I was convinced that there was time travel. And that's how they were, like, God forbid it's just a movie with flashbacks. Just I was flashbacks. convinced that, like, there was some sort of, I don't know, they wander into a cave, this beautiful Greek island. Oh, my god! I mean. And I was... 
very convinced. And I mentioned it in editorial meeting in front of our publisher at the time. And he just kind of looked at me and I repeated it because I thought maybe he hadn't heard me. And he just looked at me and he kind of smiled a little bit and he like talked to somebody else. And I felt like the stupidest motherfucker on the planet. No. And you know, my therapist says, well, do you think maybe he didn't acknowledge it because he didn't want anyone else to notice that you were making a mistake and he was trying to be kind. And I was like, Angela, he's a hundred percent judging me. (laughs) He may also have been trying to be kind. He was unfailingly kind to me, but it does mean that I have never seen Mamma Mia. (laughs) Jolly in London at one point, they have a little dancey dance. And they have a brief debate about who should do the, like, quote-unquote boy part in, like, the dancing, mm. right? And London's like, I should do it because I'm taller. And I was like, oh, I have so many flashbacks. Like, I don't know how to do the girl part to dances because I was never... You know how to dance at all? I, I, I don't have any. Okay. Yes, because I did theater. <laughs> yes, so did I. It and I did took. it with a director that really liked to do historical period Mm, so there was a lot of different dancing involved but I was always the boy part because I was Mm. always the tallest and there were never enough girl boys yeah so I don't know how to do the boy part like I you know you waltz with someone I don't know how to follow someone's lead I don't know how to follow someone's lead I'm always like I'm leading I'm like I don't I can't do it any other way I don't know it any other way when my parents dance my mom always says to my dad oh you're taking lead and then within three steps she's leading Oh, <laughs> as it should be. I don't know what the dance is in West Side Story. I assume it's it's the mambo scene. So it, it was probably a mambo. But I was the girl part, even though I was taller. And the other girl who they had dressed as a boy was the boy part because she can actually fucking dance. And when I say like she was more than leading, she put me wherever I needed to be. Oh. Not in like a sexy way, but just, to, well, she is queer now. So like maybe in a sexy way. A little bit. I don't know that I ever was capable of following someone else's lead. Maybe it's because I was started being the boy part at such a young an age because I yeah. reached like five foot in the fourth grade. What the fuck? Uh, yeah, I was five seven by the time I was twelve, and then that was like my my max height. My sister was five eleven by that age. Incredible. <laughs> you want to share ever? Because like five three and three quarters. Average American woman's five three. My doctor said I was supposed to be five seven. Oh, I'm sorry. He did calculations. Well, I'm technically short for my siblings, as both of my siblings are six foot, so I'm what the fuck? I'm the short one. <laughs> Listen, the Balkans, Yugoslavians, the mm-hmm. like Serbians are some of the tallest people in the world. Like that area. Are y'all at a high elevation? Is that what? I mean, there's mountains, but it's also on the coast of like the Adriatic so Sea. No. Like, because you know, you can like baking that takes test less time at a higher altitude i don't think less that pressure. that applies <laughs> <Hi>. <laughs> you don't know <laughs> yeah so then yeah they're lovey-dovey dahlia realizes she's in love with london and i know you were saying i felt like that came too early too i was thinking about it because you mentioned it to me thank you it felt like it could have it felt like it was somehow only because the third act breakup was coming but I feel like even like it could have just I feel like it could have I feel like it would have made sense for during while they were separated after the third act breakup for that to mm-hmm. be when they're like oh that was more than just like a reality mm-hmm. show TV fling. Yeah. Did how did you feel about when she's like Dahlia has love realization and she's freaking out and then she's like this is the outdoor sex, isn't it? Yes. And she says, London, her voice strained. Can you fuck me hard and dirty right here? And I was like, I don't like those words coming out of her mouth. I think you just don't like dirty talk very much. <laughs> yeah. So Dolly gets eliminated. And then she was like, oh, it was always going to be like this. I was never going to win. So they break up because Dolly is like freaking out. She just got eliminated. She's upset. And London, um, you know, does fuck up that conversation. I mean, they both do. Like, it's not, yes. you know. But there's this quote where Dahlia is like, with David, she knew what it was like to break your own heart slowly. Now she knew what it was like to break it all at once. And I was like, you little dummy, go to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, they break up and like, they're both like sad. And then Julie is London's twin sister, which I don't think we've ever mentioned. But Julie is like, um, like London's like, you know, bitching about that is like, oh, like it sucks. Like Dahlia just broke up with me. And Julia's like, okay, but like, did you guys ever talk about like what you were going to do? Like you literally just, what, you expected her to move to Nashville? Like, I was like, oh shit. (laughs) London, London's like, you know, 
that's a good point. And then Dahlia sends London apology Brussels sprouts, but you know, because Hilarious. they're Brussels sprouts, they smell like shit. <laughs> but the Rice Krispie treats are fine. The Rice Krispie treats are fine. The Brussels sprouts were never going to make it because you didn't refrigerate them. It, it's the gesture that counts. It's not though. For me. For if me, someone sent me apology Brussels sprouts. I just... Don't make my life harder by giving me some rotting food. In terms of a grand gesture, this is the kind of grand gesture that yes. I like. Because there's this one and then and then Dahlia, after London wins, Dahlia makes them barbecue, which was like a thing that they had. Like one of da- one of London's comfort foods, it's barbecue. But that's a kind of like the grand gesture. Like I don't, I hate grand gestures when it's just like, okay, that was grand, but like why was that related to your relationship? Mm. You know, I feel like so often authors get caught up in like, oh, there needs to be some sort of thing mm-hmm. and they don't like set up why that's like shows that this person actually understands their partner. right that they were paying attention yeah yeah okay yeah so then it's the finale and obviously london wins and beats lizzie because lizzie is a bitch and lizzie is a little bitch baby about it and runs off which is fitting we don't need like we don't need lizzie to be redeemed we don't need oh, a final no. pithy closing line no. that is how lizzie should go lizzie runs off like the coward she is mm-hmm. she probably Gets a lot of funding from like Truth Social and makes her own homophobic bakery at some point. Yeah. And it's probably very shitty. London gives their dad an ultimatum and says, if you keep misgendering me, like if you don't get your shit together right fucking now, we're done. I'm never seeing you again. I'm never coming to our family dinners again. They're a weekly thing. And London's like, I'm just not coming. So you need you need to figure this out. This is the last time you're ever seeing me. And they feel really good about themselves and they go back and that's right before the competition. And then they obviously soar through the competition. Like it does not throw them off that they've had this conversation. And I like that this is all from Dahlia's perspective. Also the competition, the final Mm -hmm. like events. I think it would have been too stressful for me if it were from London's. But I also like that when they're confronting their dad, they're like, I don't want to see you after the finale. But like whether I win or lose, yeah. like, I don't want to see yes. you because I want you to take the time to think about this. Like I need to know that like you have sincerely committed to this because it would have been like, you know, I think it would have been so easy to have the dad come up and be like, I'm so proud of you, kiddo. Right. And it wouldn't have felt real. It's like, okay, well, how come he couldn't have done that three years ago? Right. Are you proud of them because they've achieved something that feels important on your own little bullshit scale? Exactly. And we let we get even in an epilogue an acknowledgement of that where Dahlia is like London's off in New York or whatever for their foundation because that's what London wanted Mm. to do. I don't think we ever mentioned with the money. Right. They want to start like a nonprofit for queer youth and Dahlia is going to the family dinner like without them. And Dahlia has the thought where they're like, well, I also have like my own secret agenda to like make sure that like London's dad is being cool, like even when London's not there. Mm -hmm. Which we've seen Dahlia be consistent about London's pronouns, even when London's not present. Mm-hmm. Like when Dahlia was on the bus with Lizzie at one point. Yeah. Um, and I like that how that was handled just writing-wise because yes. we have Lizzie misgendering, but we don't mm-hmm. we don't actually get that dialogue. Like Dahlia yeah. auto-corrects it to the correct pronoun. Mm-hmm. And then after the dialogue, it's like, but Lizzie didn't say they. Right. The only time they have London using different pronouns is when London's thinking of themselves as a child. And then Dahlia makes barbecue and they almost fuck in the studio, which I was like, are you? Which I like. I was right now. I was like, that's the kind of public sex I'll accept. (laughs) If Janet walks in on them, even better. Janet deserves it. Yeah. I think I was a little worried that like the barbecue sauce in places would be problematic, but. Well, there are, listen, there are multiple stations. So like, you know, they could fuck on a clean one. (laughs) Wouldn't be clean for long, but they don't fuck there. Dear listeners, no, they don't. They go back and they eat the barbecue. The Dahlia yeah, because Dolly is like it's gonna get cold. <laughs> we can eat the like they don't have ovens and microwaves at the stations. But when Julia's leading London to like the studio for this like surprise, like Julia's like, oh, they need you for something or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at first, London's like, oh my god, do you have weed? Like, are we gonna like sneak away from the family gathering and like smoke? And there was just something about I don't know whether it was the audiobook narrator's delivery or whether it was the writing, but I was like, either the audiobook narrator or Anita Kelly or both, someone here hasn't smoked weed before. There was just something about that little like paragraph that little half page where I was like somebody is 
is doing this based on their like viewings of like dare commercials not based on <laughs> actual experience yeah weed. there was just something very like hey kids you want to do the grass like <laughs> about it the doobie <laughs> do we all remember that dare video where it was mary j wanna and she was personified i remember people signing yearbooks with that like that being like a joke mm. from like sixth to eighth grade but I don't mm-hmm. actually think I ever saw the video I think no, that was just something that people made up as a pun no there was a real video she was I like I believe it I mean the vibe I got was like she was a hooker on the street kind of thing tempting people it's pretty rude it was a fun animation it's kind of, it was hilarious it was old even when we were looking at it it was yeah. like Schoolhouse rock Nancy style Reagan, animation. Like, all straight, like, illustrated. Broke up Nancy. Mm. <laughs> yes. The epilogue of this book, it begins with um, Dahlia. So, like, London's eating Dahlia out. And it, like, the first Which, line of the epilogue is like, London, I'm so close. And I'm going to be honest, I was really expecting this to be, like, one of those, you know, oh, one of those yes. scenes where, like, it's a the dirty ride and you think, mm-hmm. and then it's a fake out, it's just something, like, funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it wasn't that, I and I was like, I don't know, that was just, it really threw me off, because it I really, really expected. It's not a rom-com. But even if it's not a rom-com, I was just like, it's such a lighthearted book. Yeah. I expected that to be a little, like, haha. Okay. So that's the end. They're happy. They don't have a dog, but it's implied they're at some point probably going to end up with a Dahlia dog. Dahlia really wants to get a dog, but for yeah. some reason, London is against the dog, but we don't, there's not a concrete reason why London would be against the dog. And I was like, London, get with the program. I think Dahlia should get a dog while London is gone. <laughs> I think that seems like a terrible thing to do to your partner, but Hank is coming but... to visit. <laughs> you can be like, oh, I was Hank. We found, we found the dog on the street. We can't just turn him out. You know, it's like with yeah. a cat adopts you like you can't just like you know that is you true take it home it's your cat mm-hmm. now happily ever after indeed how did these end i don't remember how do you end the podcast we do the cat scale oh okay yes okay let's do the cat scale i would put this pretty low on the cat scale personally yeah we had the one cat reference with mm-hmm. tanner mctavish but no cat language no hissing no purring mm-hmm. i wouldn't say that either of them is a cat nor any of the side characters. No. Maybe Barbara. Barbara's a cat. Cat scale. One to ten. Three, two, one. Like a two at most? One. Okay. I'm saying a one. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, wait. So are you going with one or two for the cat scale? Do we have to be in agreement? I can do no. a one. No, no, no. You two, I guess, was whatever. generous, honestly. You said whatever you feel. Like, we don't have to do the same No, one. we can say one. Are you listener? Um, I would ask Molly uh, where you can find her, but um, she is a little hobbit who lives in her little hole and does not want to be disturbed by anyone. I'm just indifferent. You will never find Molly anywhere unless she comes back. But you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at We Read It One Night. You can find us on Twitter at We Read It Podcast. Uh, you can go to our Etsy shop, Evelyn and Adelaide, and buy some sweet gear there. There, You can email us, we read it one night at gmail.com. You can also uh, support the pod by giving us, leaving us a rating and review wherever you're listening. Um, most places where you can listen allow you to leave at least a rating if not a review so do that right now it's so fucking easy uh you can also support the pod by uh buying us a coffee um which will be linked in our description you can make that a regular donation or a one-time purchase godspeed comrades godspeed (laughs) yay